On today's episode... My husband has acquired some new scents, and there's some smells happening that I just don't even know how to deal with. And he was also a fool, and I love fools. They're my favorite thing in the world. All kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers here on The Appleseed. It's time for The Appleseed. In each episode of the show, we bring you a couple of stories from favorite storytellers. The stories will entertain you and inspire you. They'll get you thinking and even help your family tell your own stories. I'm Sam Payne. On today's episode, we have the great storyteller Kim Whitecamp from Ohio and Kevin Kling from Minnesota, both sharing in very different kinds of stories thoughts about what brings value into our lives. And first up, a personal story from Kim. Is there a place you like to gather with friends? Then this is a story for you. Have you ever had something complex or troubling happen that you found difficult to talk about? Then this is a story for you. During your daily rush, have you ever taken a moment to listen to someone's story and have that moment change you? Then this is a story for you. Here's Kim Whitecamp with Gold Coins, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. Thank you, thank you so much. So I'm actually from Ohio, and I have a little yarn shop there, and I love my little yarn shop. I opened that yarn shop so when I wasn't on the road performing, I would have something to do when I went home where I could gather with women and create and make. There's even a few men that come in. We have a cowboy that crochets. <laughs> Can't beat a cowboy that crochets. <laughs> well, we have a, I had, when we put it up, when we put the shop together, I decided to dedicate the whole front of the store where there's these huge windows and beautiful light to having a lounge a place where women could come, a community couch of sorts, where they could work on their projects and come together and talk and share and support each other. Well, what has happened is we have an array of ages. We have high school young ladies that come in that like to make things. We have two colleges in our town and we get college students in that love to make things and they sit there. If it fits on your lap, you can bring it in. We have everything from knitters, to people that do punch needle, to polymorph clay makers who have a little desk on their lap. It's fascinating. But it goes all the way up to 90. We have 90-year-olds that come in. And it's a beautiful mixture of ages, and they help each other. And on Thursdays, there's a group that comes in, and they tend to be elders, 75 and up. And if anybody's offended by that, I apologize. <laughs> I'm getting there where it keeps going up, right? It used to be like 60 and up, and now it's like 65 and up, and elders, 70. Now, I, well, you know, it's just going to keep going up as I age. But I love these women because I learn so much from them. There's one woman that comes in, and she is, I'd put her at about 79 to 81. I've never asked. And she said the other day, and I sit behind the register, and I'm doing inventory and things like that when I'm at home, and I just listen to the conversation. And the other day she said, my husband has acquired some new scents, and there's some smells happening that I just don't even know how to deal with. She said, so I took Vicks Vapor Rub and I put it on a tissue and I keep it in the shoulder of my top and I try and keep him to the right so that if the smell gets to me, I just turn my nose and sniff the Vicks. <laughs> it's good to have this stuff in my toolbox for later in life, right? 
Well, one day I was working the shop and I was alone and it was nearing early evening when the door opened and the bell jingled. And in walked this sweet woman. I'd put her at about 83, very slight. She had on a lace pink sweater. She had on a the memory foam hair. You know memory foam hair, right? They get it fixed once a week and it just stays there and bounces right back. And she was just so proper. She had her purse hooked on. She had her little navy skirt that went just above the ankle. And she stood there and she said, oh, this is a beautiful yarn shop. So right away she had my heart. And I said, thank you so much for that. And I said, what do you do? Do you knit? Do you crochet? And she let the purse slide down her arm and she lifted up her hands and I saw they were gnarled with arthritis. She said, I used to knit. I would knit sweaters for my grandchildren, sweaters for my husband, blankets for every new baby, layette sets for new babies at the church. She said, but I can't knit anymore. But I had my daughter drop me off. That's her sitting out there. She doesn't do any of this kind of stuff. She said, but I love yarn shops. And I saw yours as I was visiting her. And I asked her if she could drop me off. I said, well, you know what? You take your time. You walk through the shop, you enjoy yourself, pick up the yarn, pet it, feel it. If you don't knit or crochet, you don't understand that when people, when, when people come into a yarn shop who do that, they literally will pick up the yarn. They pet it to see what the feel of it is. Then they put it to their neck and they move it around to see if it itches. And then they decide if they're gonna purchase it or not. And if they do, they usually give it a name and they put it in their stash that is taking up a whole closet, but it, you have to have the fiber. It is a real thing. Well, she, she took a, a walk through the store very slowly, looking at everything. I have yarn thread and things like that. Lots of cute notions. And I kept busy because I didn't want her to think I was like watching her. And uh, as I did my work, I'd glance up once in a while and she made another loop around the store and stopped at a table that we have in the back right-hand corner. And I watched her as she looked at everything on that table because it's a specific display. And then she walked over to the left and looked at some things there and then she went back to that table. And I thought, okay, I need to go and I need to, uh, I need to see if I need to talk to her about something. So I walked back and she was still standing there and I said, do you know what this is? And she said, I think I might, but I don't know. And I said, well, let me explain it to you. I said, these are called knitted knockers. And these are knitted prosthetics for women who have had mastectomies. I said, when you have a mastectomy, you have a choice. You can either rebuild, which is expensive, uncomfortable, and a little scary, or you can buy a prosthetic, which is expensive, really heavy, and makes you sweat. And she looked at it and she said, can I touch it? And I said, yeah, and I handed it to her. And it's basically just a knitted rectangle, uh, triangle that is filled with polyfill. And I handed it to her. And I said, you just wear it until it kind of conforms and then you go. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's not heavy. It's not expensive because we do it for free. I wholesale the yarn to the women that make them. They make them for free. They donate them back. And then it's yours to have. I said, do you need one? And she said, two. I said, oh. I said, when? She said, 15 years ago. She said, that's why I wear a sweater. Because I just think that everybody knows. So I wear a sweater no matter what the weather is, because I feel like it kind of just makes me feel more secure because I really think everybody knows. I said, well, we are going to get you hooked up. 
I got baby pink, baby blue, cream, flesh color, whatever color you want. She picked the color called Darling Pink. Well, on that table, we not only have a few for you, for people to look at, but we have a beautiful pink box that's made of wood and it has drawers. And in each drawer on the outside, it's marked with A, B, C, D. And then inside are the knitted knockers. When you pick it, we then fill it. We give you a pink box, black curly ribbon, tissue paper on the inside. We make a big deal out of it. So I said to her, well, I said, we'll get two for you in Darling Pink. I just need to know. What size were you before the surgery? And she said, B. And so I reached for the drawer that said B. And as I pulled it out, that gnarled hand came over, tapped mine and said, Honey, I think I'd like C's. (laughs) That's one of those moments in life where it is a sacred moment between two humans, when something so personal, so life-altering is shared that all you can do is stand there and receive it. And sometimes those conversations are filled with uncomfortable topics that are more common in life than we know, but we don't know because we don't discuss it. And that time with Miss Rose was precious to me. And uh, my time with the elders in my shop is precious to me. And I ask to see pictures and I gather their stories. And I remember one time a woman came in and she was talking about how she had to spend some time in a nursing home for rehab and luckily she's not there anymore, she said. I'm so happy to be back in my own home. She said, but one time I was getting out of bed at the nursing home in the rehab area and something happened with my ankle and I slipped and went to the floor. She said it wasn't a bad fall. I just crumpled down, but there was a nurse that saw it as she was passing by and she came in and she got me back up and she started scolding me. You need to be careful. You have to be careful when you're getting out of your bed. Make sure you have both feet on the floor and that you're sitting properly on the edge of your bed. And she said she started to raise her voice with me and I took her hand and held it firmly and I said to her, one day this will be you. And I remember sitting there as she told me the story in that little yarn shop. And I thought to myself, one day, all of these stories that they share of their aches and their pains, the fact that everyone around them is leaving and moving on, crossing over that sin, that thin silver line between here and there. And that is going to be me. And so I treat every elder that walks through my door with great reverence, and that does not make me a hero. It makes me someone who's been enlightened because I've spent time with them. And I encourage you to do the same thing. If you have people in your life that are getting to that elder age, ask them the questions and gather the stories, even the uncomfortable ones, not just the happy and the fun and the silly and the good, but the ones that are difficult because those are the ones you'll share later with your family that will, that will bring altering circumstances and make people rethink things. And so here's a little song that I wrote. There's a whippoorwill outside my window And it's calling me to fly There's smoke upon that mountain It's calling me to fly Granddaddy's tick-tocking the time away 
grain of sand falls with the beat of each passing day ashes and dust is where i come from pocket full of memories and we There's a star that's slowly dying It's calling me to fly There's moonlight on my horizon It's calling me to fly Granddaddy's tick-tocking the time away Grain of sand falls with the beat of each passing day Ashes and dust is where I from pocket full of memories and we all fall down now my burdens no longer heavy I'm learning how to fly spread my wings to the heavens I'm learning from above don't cry for me my life was filled with love granddaddy's tick-tocking the time away grain of sand falls with the beat of each passing day ashes and dust is where I Pocket full of memories, and we all, we all must fall down. Kim White Camp with a story called Gold. Coins. She calls it gold coins because she considers the interactions with the people in her yarn shop precious and rare. I have a friend who, a couple of decades ago, moved from his home in the desert southwest, far away across the sea to Tokyo, Japan. He moved there for work. And while he was a successful guy in his job and while he enjoyed what he did, he sometimes felt a little lost, a little empty in the big city. I don't know how you would have solved a problem like that for yourself, but my friend did something kind of interesting. In the environs of his big city job, there were always a handful of people who were clearly experiencing a period of homelessness. And on his lunch breaks, my friend started approaching these folks and buying lunch for them, a different person each day. And what he wanted in exchange was their story. And as he listened to person after person, his eyes were opened to all sorts of things he'd never seen before. His spirit changed and his behavior too. Now, I know there were blessings large and small that came from the work he was doing in Japan at his job, but if you ask him to talk about the treasures that time in his life held for him, he'll talk about those lunches, those stories, those friends. Precious those interactions were. More precious, he might say, than gold coins. Those stories we hear and share with the important people in our lives are precious. They root us in our communities as we grow into who we are 
becoming. More stories coming up. I'm Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to be with you on the Apple Seat. A moment ago, we heard Gold Coins, a story told for you by Kim Whitecamp. Sometimes we receive those gold coins, those precious interactions with other people from the wisest among us. But sometimes gold is found in the mouth of fools, too, as shown by Kevin Kling in his story, Ashen Peter, recorded live in the Apple Seed studio. Here's Kevin. I have one more set of stories here for this section. So my grandmother, my grandmother had all kinds of stories that she would tell us. Uh, one of her stories was uh, the Tanberg Trollet. Have you ever heard of the Tanberg Trollet? It's this little tiny troll, these trolls from Norway that get in your teeth and they make little caves and homes and condominiums and convention centers and they build these homes in your teeth and there's only one way to keep them out and do you know what that is brush your teeth that's right (laughs) there's another troll with a long nose and he would come into your room in the middle of the night stick his nose in your ear and suck out your brains and i go grandma suck out my brain she goes but don't worry kevin there's only one way it can get to your bed and that is by stepping on clothing left on the floor I go, Grandma, why don't you just tell me to brush my teeth and clean my room? Why is there always a troll that sucks my brains out? But my grandma had stories for everything. She had these great stories. And, and my favorite stories were a guy, they were it, it, this guy called um, Ashen Peter. Have you ever heard of Ashen Peter? Okay, you know Cinderella? Have you ever heard of Cinderella? Okay, Cinderella, her, her name was Cinder because she worked in the fireplace cooking and cleaning. So she worked with cinders. Ashen Peter comes from the same place, ashes. And so he was their version of Cinderella. And he was also a fool. And I love fools. They're my favorite thing in the world. So Ashen Peter is a fool. And, uh, and, and so here's an Ashen Peter story. Long ago, in Norway, there was this valley And it was the most beautiful valley ever created. When Odin and Thor and Freya, the gods, had finished this valley, they were so proud of themselves. They said, this is the most beautiful valley we've ever made. Let's make it special for the people. Let's give them a gift. And Odin said, let's give them wisdom. And Thor said, no, 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 not wisdom. Let's make them wealthy. And Freya said, no, 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 no. Let's make them happy and then they won't care about the other two. And so that's what they did. They made the people happy. And these people were so happy. And they walked around and people would visit them and say, why are you people so happy? And they'd say, we don't know and we can't afford to find out. <laughs> Probably the most happy person of them all was Ashen Peter. Ashen Peter was the bell ringer of the town. And he would get up in the morning and he would ring the bell and everyone would get up out of bed and they'd say, oh, morning already? Oh my, it's raining. Oh, great, we love the rain. And they would go to work. Work, work is our favorite thing. And they'd go to work and at noon he would ring the bell again. Oh, it's time for lunch. They'd say, oh, I hope it's rancid shark skin soup. It is rancid shark skin soup. And they'd eat their soup. And then at dinner time, he'd ring the bell again. They'd say, oh, 
work's done already. It's time to go home. Time for dinner. I hope it's Rancid Sharks Kids. If it is. <laughs> so he'd also ring the bell in the middle of the night. And this was to keep the trolls in the hills. Now, this town had become Christian long, long ago. But they still rang the bells for the trolls just in case. It's like um, when I go ice fishing, I, I go with my buddies and they always kiss the minnow before dropping it down in the hole. And I'm like, are you guys superstitious or what? And they go, no, we just don't want to jinx it. It was like that. Um, so they would ring the bells at night to keep the trolls in the hill. Okay, so probably the most unhappy of everyone was the town priest. And that was because he came from another village and was given that village to watch over as a priest. And he didn't understand happiness. I mean, he hated happy people. He couldn't even stand to look at him. I mean, this guy could make lemons out of lemonade. He just didn't want to look. And so he was always running into people, always crashing into people. And the townspeople finally couldn't take it anymore. So they wrote the king and they said, king, come on, what's going on with this guy? They said, he's running into us and we're worried. We're worried about him. He's so unhappy. And the king said, bleh, bleh, bleh. well, this is how kings talk, I found out. Uh, well, he said, uh, why don't you send that priest to me and I'll give him something to cry about. So the priest got the letter from the king and he thought, oh no, he knew something was up and he knew this wasn't going to turn out well. So he came to Ashen Peter and he said, Ashen Peter, would you do me a favor and please go to the king in my stead? He said, I know what he's going to do. He's going to throw me a big party. We're going to eat and drink and have dancing all night. And you know, I'm getting kind of up in years. Please, would just go in my place. And Ashton Peter said, I can't. I got to wake up and ring the bells. The priest said, I'm a priest. I know all about bell ringing. Please, I, it'll be fine. Ashton Peter said, I'm not sure. And the priest said, please, if you just go... God will see that and know that you did a good thing for me in the church. And Ashton Peter said, oh, thank you, priest. That's right. I almost missed this great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. After all, God sees everything. And the priest says, yeah, he supposedly does. Just go. I hate talking to you. So Ashton Peter put on the robes of the priest and went to see the king. And the king saw him and thought he was the priest. And he said, well, priest, I've been hearing about you. And Ashton Peter said, well, yeah, I suppose you have. Come on, bring it on. I can go all night. Don't worry. Just keep it coming. And the king said, you've got to be kidding. Are you serious? He said, all right, I'll give you what you wish. But here's the deal. I'll ask you three questions. If you get these questions right, I will give you an armload of gold. But if you get them wrong, I will give you exactly what you're asking for. Ashton Peter says, sounds like a win-win to me. Go ahead. <laughs> So the priest or the king says, all right, priest, here's the first question. How far is it from east to west? And Ashton Peter says, well, hmm, before I was a priest, I used to ring the bells. And I know that the sun comes up in the morning and then it sets in the evening in the west. And so I'm going to say the distance or the time between east and west is one day. That's the distance between east and west, one day. And the king went, whoa, well, I guess that's I never thought of it. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Oh, question number two. Now, mind you, these get harder. Question number two. You've seen my lands. You've seen my servants. You've seen where I live. How much to the penny, mind you, am I worth? And Ashton Peter said, well, I'm a priest, so I know that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Now, you're a good king. You're benevolent, but you're not Jesus. So I'm going to put you at 29 pieces of silver. And the king went, well, very pleased. Well, yeah, yeah, nailed it. 
<laughs> he said, here's the third question, Breeze. And I'm afraid you're never going to get this one right. He said, at this very moment, what am I thinking? And Ashton Peter said, well, you think you're talking to a priest, but you're not. I'm Ashton Peter. The priest is back where I live now. And the king's, what? And then he started to laugh. And he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed. He said, oh, he said, oh, he said, Ashen Peter, you're just the kind of counsel I need. Would you please stay? I'll make you wealthy beyond your imagination. And Ashen Peter said, I wish I could, but King, you have to understand, I love where I live. I love my family. I've got a daughter and a wife. Please, I just want to go home. And the king said, Ashen Peter, you're wiser than I even thought. Please, come when I call. And I, if I need your help. And Ashton Peter said, I will. Oh, and the king said, one more thing. Um, uh, would you go back and uh, tell that priest to come see me? I have some questions I'd like to ask him. <laughs> so Ashton Peter left with his arms full of gold. But you know what? On the way home, he lost that gold. He put it somewhere, and he still can't remember where it is. And I know some of you are thinking, I wonder where that gold is. And some of you are thinking, I wonder where that town is, where everyone is happy. I'd love to live there. And some of you are thinking, you know, I already live in that town. And some of you are like the priest and you're not happy unless you're depressed. But don't worry, you can be assured, wherever he is, that priest is living unhappily ever after. And Ashen Peter, Ashen Peter was called to the king many, many times. And every time he left, he left with an arm full of gold, and every time he came home, he lost that gold, still doesn't know where it is, back to that place where everyone is happy, no one knows why, and can't afford to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Kling with Ashen Peter. I love stories like this. They remind me when I face what feels like an insurmountable problem that I don't have to feel hopeless or incapable. It's the regular, everyday people who make it all the time. Even more than the bravest and brightest among us, it's the, say, the fool, the one who has the audacity to choose happiness over gold who often wins in the end. Thanks to Kim Whitecamp and Kevin Kling for their stories. And thank you for joining us today on The Appleseed. Listening to these stories always brings up memories for me that I love to share. Where do the stories take you? And who will you take along? Our episode today was produced by Brian Tanner and Wendy Folsom. Our audio engineers are Carly Wilson and Ashton Parkinson. Trent Horton and Evie Hendricks make up the rest of the Appleseed team. If you want to send us a note, you can email us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's theappleseed, all one word, at byu.edu. Or if you're listening through a podcast app, rate us. Leave us a little review. It helps people find the show. We're pleased and proud to be among the many shows in the BYU Radio family of programs. And you can find this episode or any episode from our archive on the BYU Radio app at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or by Googling the Appleseed podcast. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. Appleseed.